Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Contemporary Rosturbation. And ask me questions if I was confusing. Contemporary rosterbation. Roster sizes keep going up. And in reality, in reality, the need to go to the bench reduces. At least offensively. The roster sizes keep going up. And the need to go to the bench to replace an offensive player reduces as time goes on. Back in the day, teams regularly fielded players who, this guy can't hit. This guy can't hit. You know, when you think, if you, I'm mainly talking back in the 70s, early 70s, when you're, you know, starting infielder was Vic Harris or Dave Rosello. That's the guy you're starting. That's the guy you're starting. A guy who just simply could not hit back then against, you know, however fast the pitchers were pitching then. As time has gone on, players have gotten bigger, players have gotten stronger. Yes, they're striking out more, but the concept of ability to hit a home run reduces the need to, we have to pinch hit for this guy. For instance, if you have a guy with limited power and hits 230, then there's a perfectly legitimate reason to pinch hit for him late in the game if it gets to that. Whereas if you have a guy who hits 218 but has good power, well, you might as well leave him in because he might accidentally back into a hanging curveball or time up a fastball or whatever. But back in the day, most of the substitutions were based on pulling a pitcher, lifting the starting pitcher. When the starting pitcher came out, then there was a reason to make a substitution. And back in the day, the starting pitcher would oftentimes go seven or eight or nine innings. So really, there wasn't much of a need to substitute. You had guys on the bench. Teams had 25-man rosters. But there's really no need to do anything. Trailing in the sixth inning by five runs, you pinch hit for the starting pitcher. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. You'd do that. But normally, unless there was some compelling reason, no, you just, eh, you figure out who your starters were. You have your starting pitcher in. They still have their starting pitcher in. There's no reason to do any substitutions until the eighth or the ninth innings. There just wasn't. There was no reason to. Then, Teams started to use the bullpens more often and more often and more often and more often. And that continued from, oh, let's say, 
mid-70s all the way to 2015. I'll phrase it that way. Teams just kept using the bullpens more and more and more and more. And it's 2015 to current. It just teams keep using their bullpens more and more and more and more for a various number of different reasons. Now, offensively, when you have a team, my brother was a big fan of the Cleveland Indians back in the early 90s. You know, Manny Ramirez and Albert Bell and all of them. Carlos Bayerga. Um, they had no reason to pinch hit. Seriously, they had no reason to pinch hit. Why would you pinch hit for Jim Tomei? Or why would you pinch hit for Kenny Lofton? Or why would you pinch hit for Manny Ramirez? Their entire lineup, one to nine, we're good to go, let's play. Maybe, 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 maybe you might pinch hit for uh, Omar Vizcal, maybe. But then, really, the guy off the bench wasn't going to be that much better than Omar Vizcal anyway. There just wasn't much of a need to pinch hit if you properly put together a roster so that you're not going to need to pinch hit. So, let's say the Los Angeles Dodgers are running somewhere near their peak lineup. Who's the guy that you're going to pinch hit for? Uh, nobody. There's no need in a designated hitter sort of environment to have to pinch hit for a player. There isn't. If you have a player who is horrible against one side or the other, um, hits right-handed pitching, but not left-handed pitching. So there's a right-handed pitcher on the mound. He's starting. Then the other team brings in a left-handed pitcher, so they pinch hit. Okay, well, yeah, that can happen. But usually a really well-run team won't have a guy who is incapable of hitting against one side of the pitching. I use Rafael Ortega for an example. Last year, the Cubs used Rafael Ortega against right-handed starting pitching because he hit well against right-handed starting pitching. And considering the team really wasn't too all that concerned about whether they were going to be winning games or not down the stretch, that was perfectly fine. This season, they end up having Rafael Ortega play 70 games or 90 games or 130 games. That's fine, as long as they're not hanging their hat on it's absolutely essential that the Cubs make the postseason this season, which it isn't. Once a team gets to a point where they are actually contending, then they're at the point where, you know, our lineup, we're generally good with it. We're generally good with it. So you end up, if you have a team who is truly in contention, there really shouldn't be any horrible weak spots in that lineup. So there shouldn't really be a whole lot of concern about having 13 or 14 or 15 guys on the bench that can pinch hit. So let's see, the, the roster's 26, and they're going to bump it up to 28 to start the year. So people are talking 14-14 or 15-13. Do the Cubs 
have any specific need to have a fifth. Do the Cubs actually have a need to have a sixth bench bat? Sixth bench bat with no designated hitter. With no designated hitter. If the Cubs are at a point where they have four or five guys in the offensive lineup that are really bad at hitting the other side of pitching, they're not a contender. They're not a contender. They're not because if they were a contender, they would have guys that can hit both right-handed and left-handed pitching. They're not a contender if they need 14 offensive players off the bench. They're just, uh, if they have 14 offensive players on the daily roster. They're just not. You have a starting catcher, you have a backup catcher. You have a spare outfielder, you have a spare infielder, and some other guy. Yeah, yeah, there, that's about it. That should be about all you need if you're not pinch hitting for the starting pitcher, which leads to another reason that teams needed to have extra players around. Last year, other years, you would have that situation where, ooh, we're going to go to the bullpen now, but the, the relief pitcher would be the guy hitting second. So we're going to do a double switch, have a new outfielder come in, have him end up hitting in the pitcher's spot, and then we will have the uh, pitcher take over in the outfielder's spot. You don't have to do that anymore. Pitchers don't hit. There isn't that anything going on. Teams shouldn't use more than 11 players in a game offensively unless somebody gets injured. They shouldn't. It just shouldn't happen. Now, maybe you get down to the 7th or the 8th or the ninth innings, and you decide, okay, well, we're in the ninth inning, we're down a run, and we have a slow runner on first base, and he's the tying run, there's two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Let's send in the best pinch runner we have on the bench and try to get him home. That's understandable. But you're not walking into a game thinking, oh, we got to make sure that we have this, uh, have an extra, have three shortstops on the team because we're going to uh, pinch run for the, uh, we're going to have to double switch the one guy. No, 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 no. If, you are a competitive team with a designated hitter. You should rarely be using more than 11 offensive players in a game. Period. So, starting there. Since a team should only be using 11 players in a game offensively. Because there's really no reason to... Oh, we want to make sure that we have a guy in the starting lineup who can't hit right-handed pitching. Why do you want to do that? The goal ought to be to have an entire roster full of players, plus a few guys down the minor leagues, all of whom are capable offensively and defensively at the major league level and can contribute regardless who's pitching. So, with that as the starting point, what's the Cubs' plan? What's the Cubs' plan right now? Brendan Davis is a little bit ahead of the curve. So what my, my comment to somebody a couple nights ago was, Brendan Davis should stay in AAA this season until he has six successive weeks of beating the snot out of the baseball in AAA until he gets called up. 
how long that's going to take is kind of inconsequential. You know, may, maybe that will be, uh, he'll come up in early July or late July or early August or mid-September or whenever. When it is really isn't all that matter, uh, isn't all that important unless you're um, jealous and you wish, hey, I wish Brendan Davis was on the team that I'm paying attention to, not the team that Tim's paying attention to. Brennan Davis is going to make the Cubs better when he arrives because probably whoever he replaces, he'll be better than. Mm -hmm. Whoever Brennan Davis comes up to replace, he will be better than. You know, if the Cubs end up trading Rafael Ortega and Brennan Davis comes up, Brennan Davis is better than Rafael Ortega, or at least he will be soon. Whoever it ends up being. So the Cubs' plan is load up the pipeline, develop the pipeline, move the players up through the pipeline, and as often as possible, when someone is called up from AAA to the major league club, offensively, defensive, uh, offensive, pitcher, whichever, um, that call-up makes the team better. That call-up makes the team better. So let's let's look at it this way. Um, let's imagine Kyle Hendricks gets traded on July 19th. Just hypothetically. Not saying it'll happen. Not saying to whom. Not saying what would come back. But let's imagine Kyle Hendricks gets traded on July 19th. Just hypothetically. Kyle Hendricks gets traded on July 19th. That does not make the Chicago Cubs a better team. Trading Kyle Hendricks does not make the Chicago Cubs a better team. By no stretch. It makes the Chicago Cubs pipeline a better organization, probably. But it doesn't make the Chicago Cubs a better team. Hendricks goes away. And suddenly now the Cubs have an open roster spot on their 26 or 28, however many players are on the roster at the time. Cubs have an open roster spot. So what they do is they call up, I don't know, Caleb Killian? Calling up Caleb Killian improves the Cubs or uh, improves the Chicago Cubs team, probably because he gets called up and whoever would have been the last starting pitcher goes back to the bullpen or whatever, and Caleb Killian improves the team. The goal is when players get called up, they should help improve the Chicago Cubs team. So as players in the pipeline go through the system, the hope is when they get called up, they improve the team. Whoever gets called up, hopefully, they improve the team. So, perhaps it hits late July, and the Cubs trade another out, uh, trade an outfielder. Trade an outfielder, and they decide, we're going to call up Nelson Maldonado. You add Nelson Maldonado to the team, he improves the Chicago Cubs. That's the hope, that's the plan, that's the goal. 
get players who are, when they are in the AAA environment, milieu, they display enough ability that people start to think, you know what, when we call up this guy, he's going to help our team be better. And the more players it looks like the Cubs have in AAA that are going to help improve the Chicago Cubs when they get called up, the better off the Cubs are. So, how do the Cubs get to that point? By getting players wherever they are in the pipeline to the point where they're improving the organization. Hey, this guy's doing really well at advanced A. Let's move him to double A. He's doing really well at double A. Let's move him up to triple A. Hey, wait a minute. He's a triple A. What do we do with him now? Create a spot for him and let him make the team better. The goal is to locate and develop talent. The goal is to locate and develop talent. The goal is to locate and develop talent. If the Cubs do that effectively, they will be fine. If they can't do that, they're screwed. Teams don't need 14 offensive players on a baseball team. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. You don't need five guys on the bench. You don't need five guys on the bench. If you have a team where three or four of your guys ought to be replaced late in the game because in certain situations they're bad, that team's not going to contend anyway. Well, we've got a pinch hit for our backup catcher. We've got a pinch run for our right fielder because, or, 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 or whatever. If your team isn't good enough, admit it. I'm going to be paying attention to the minor leagues. I'm going to be prioritizing the minor leagues. So whether the Cubs are a second-place team or a fourth-place team or something other than that, I'm still going to be prioritizing the minor leagues because I want to know, I want to hear, I want to have evidence as far as how Reggie Preciado is doing, how Pete Crow Armstrong is doing, and yeah, how Brennan Davis is doing. All of them. How Caleb Killian's doing? Is Jordan Wicks developing? Is DJ Hers still having us be happy when it's Hers Day? That's why I'm interested in. You go ahead and be interested in whatever you want. But as far as contemporary rasturbation, Teams shouldn't have to be worrying about, oh, we need five bats on the bench because we're going to have to pinch hit for our left fielder when he comes out of the game because the other team goes to a... If you don't have a left fielder that can hit left-handers and right-handers, you aren't contending anyway. It's perfectly fine to follow a team that doesn't contend at all. My high school basketball team won zero high school tournament basketball games in my four years in high school. You know what? I still cheered for them.
You don't have to be an elite team. You don't have to have an elite team you're cheering for to justify cheering for them. You're still going to cheer for them anyway. And yes, I do want the Chicago Cubs to do well. But I'm more interested in prioritizing the prospects. The prospects, to me, are more informative, more educational, more entertaining, and that's where most of my time will go. If you're getting hung up on, are the Cubs going to go 14 and 14, or are they going to go 13 and 15? The first seven innings of a baseball game, you ought to have the starters in. You ought to have the starting lineup go most of the way. If it gets to the eighth inning, other team brings in a left-handed pitcher, ah, I guess we might as well bring in the right-handed pinch hitter off the bench to cover because he's better at hitting left-handed pitching than the, then go with it. But if your team is so bad that you have people that shouldn't be in your starting lineup that are in your starting lineup, admit that your team is in trouble because you're starting players that shouldn't be starting. Contemporary rosterbation. If a team were to decide, we're going with 12 hitters in our lineup. With the DH. 12 hitters in our lineup. We're going to play through that day. And those are the 12 guys we're going to have. And we're, we're not going to call up a 13th batter. We're, just, we're going with 12. That's what we're going with. In almost every baseball game, that will be enough. You shouldn't need any more than 12 hitters. Particularly if you're not doing the stupid thing and using your backup catcher as the designated hitter. That's another podcast. Um, you shouldn't need more than, you, you should not, a, a National League team should not need more than 12 hitters unless they get two guys hurt. Thirteen hitters, fifteen pitchers is plenty acceptable. Having that extra hitter, uh, perhaps here or there it might help. But realistically, a team is better off having additional pitchers. Having additional pitchers, you can keep the additional pitchers healthy and go with it that way. Now, if it does get to a situation where a team has a whole bunch of offensive players that are actually injured, so you are at 13 and 13, but really, or 13 and 15, but really, two of the players of the 13 offensive players are injured, so really you only have 11. You still ought to be able to get through the game without a problem. But it might make sense in that instance to make a roster move and call up an extra bat, maybe. But only if it really matters. Only if it really matters. If, um, if a team is in fourth place, or if a team is representing fourth place, 
Really, it's not that important. Really, it's not that important. Use for the DH, a guy that hits 211, and deal with the fact that, yeah, we're probably not going to win this game. Quite often, quite often, quite often, I hear people say, the Cubs need to do this. I Oh, what was that? Um, I, ha- I, I was checking on the U.S. men's national team game on Thursday night. They're playing against Mexico. And as I was looking at the schedule, I was thinking, you know, as long as the U.S. ties against Mexico, they're in great shape. They tied against Mexico, they're in great shape. Somebody with about seven minutes to go on the U.S. men's national team Twitter was, but they need to score! No. No, they don't need to score. Would have been nice if they won, but there was no need. There was no severe repercussions. They weren't going to get kicked out of the World Cup if they didn't score a goal. You know, there are a lot of things that aren't necessary. They're convenient, maybe. The 14th hitter is a convenience. A convenience generally for a team that is either facing some injury troubles or isn't that good in the first place. A good Major League Baseball team with the DH shouldn't have to go any more than 11 deep. Shouldn't even have to go 11 deep. Except possibly until the ninth inning. You know, if it gets to the point where you have your 13-man roster and it gets to the eighth inning, ninth inning, and you're up seven runs, and you want to get a couple of your guys out of the game early? Sure, fine, no problem, because you have the players on the roster, you have the roster spots, you have your players who are eligible. Sure, take take out your starting center fielder, send in the backup center fielder. Take out your backup, uh, take out your starting first baseman, put in the backup first baseman, or whoever it ends up being. And then if something does happen and you have an injury and you have to send in the designated hitter and blah 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 blah, then you can deal with it. National League games will not have much need for lineup changes mid-game. There just won't be. There won't be. There shouldn't be. A player who can hit Major League Pitching can generally hit Major League Pitching. If they're only good against one-handed pitching, they can only hit righties, if they can only hit lefties, to me that screams, this guy's pretty much a bench guy anyway. On the way out the door, I'll use Frank Schwindel for an example. Frank Schwindel hit both sides of the pitching mound perfectly well last year. Does that mean he'll do that this year? No, not at all. Of course not. I can't see into the future. I'm not that smart or arrogant. However, if Frank Schwindel is going to be a useful first baseman on into the future, he should probably be able to do somewhat well against left-handed pitching and against right-handed pitching. And 
if he does well against left-handed and right-handed pitching, then there's no problem with him needing a person to help him out on the other side. Conversely, if he doesn't hit left-handed or right-handed pitching, then he's not a major league first baseman. And if it turns out that over the next two or three years, he's not a major league first baseman, then when he ends up being eligible for arbitration, he probably ends up going away. Players that ought to play at the major league level are the players that perform effectively regardless who they're playing against. The players that are only part-time able to assist are part-timers. If a team has on their roster a whole bunch of players who, well, really, this guy's just a part-timer. They're not a contender. I used to play a bunch of dice baseball with the 1971 Pittsburgh Pirates. Pittsburgh Pirates in 1971 had Stargell in left, Clemente in center, Richie Hebner at third, Davey Cash at second, Manny Sanguian catching, Bob Robertson at first base. And they did have a couple of guys who would float back and forth, Sometimes it'd be Gene Kleins in center. Sometimes it'd be Al Oliver in center. Their shortstop, they never did quite figure out. But whoever would usually start the game would stay in most of the way. Oliver would a lot of times play against right-handed pitching when Kleins would play against left-handed pitching. But if the other team made a pitching change in the fourth inning... And all of a sudden, Gene Kleins was going to have to face a right-handed pitcher. We're good with it. Let's roll. Because he was capable of hitting against both sides. If a team has too many players who are just part-time players, sit back, kick back, relax, and enjoy the season for what it is, a season when the team probably isn't going to make the playoffs. That's how it works. If you have players that are really good, then you don't have to pinch hit. National League fans will eventually learn that. And then we won't need to talk about current rosterbation in that fashion anymore. Thanks for stopping by.